Hey, on this stop on the Michelle Mission, Vincent and I review Killer of Sheep from 1978, writer-director Charles Burnett's look inside the urban landscape of Watts, Los Angeles in the 70s. This film has been acknowledged by the National Film Registry for its historical, cultural, and aesthetic uh, significance, and it has been one of the most requested movies here on our mission. So we are very happy to review that tonight. First, we answer some listener mail. We look at the arrest of Ryan Coogler and we play Six Degrees of Derville Martin from Faye Dunaway as well as William Powell. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we get into in there. Somehow we find our way on to talking about a dog named Asta. Hmm. You never know what's going to happen on the Michelle mission. Enjoy. Is that your new thing now? Does it just get me to crack up right well, I before? Did. I, just looked at my I got a bunch of notifications that the show was about to start. I was like, oh, shit, the show's about to start. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm actually here ready. My phone just started buzzing. Hey, welcome to the Show Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, as we continue on our way towards episode 300 of the Show Mission, we make a stop at a movie that was Vincent's selection for the road, but really... It was both our selections. It was. It was. It was on both of our lists. That's right. From 1978, it is writer, director, editor, mm. cinematographer, mm. Charles Charles Burnett's Killer of Sheep. He was probably the caterer, the you, costumer. You, well, you know he was the caterer. You know he probably drove people around. Like, mm-hmm. like this is... Cast rank. He, he was probably casting agent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is... This is... This is... This is one hundred percent a Charles Burnett production. Mm-hmm. As uh, as we review Killer of Sheep tonight on the Michelle Mission, streaming by way of Streamyard live into Facebook, Twitter, as well as Twitch. And shout out to all of you out there in the Facebook group uh, who are watching us. Say hello to the missionaries, Vincent. Good evening. Good evening, my fellow missionaries. Good to see you. Oh my goodness, Farrell Blackwell is he is ready for the show. He is eating fried chicken and greens <laughs> in public and ready to listen to the six degrees of Dervell Martin show. <laughs> wow. That's that sounds like a good evening. That's commitment, though. <laughs> that's, that's all right. That is commitment. Yeah, friend. oh yeah. Right, oh yeah. Wait a minute. So he's got the fried chicken, he's got the greens. He doesn't yes. have a starch. Doesn't have so well. See, the starch will weigh him down too much. Okay. So he's trying to, you know, you gotta be quick right, right. With stay it. alert. Yeah, yeah. Stay yeah. alert. Gotta hit, hit those Google buttons for right, six right. degrees. Which I think I've got a couple of good ones for you. Okay, tonight. looking forward to them. How you feel about eating fried chicken in public, Lynn? See, I don't have a problem with it. Okay. I know there's some people, you know, little squirrels. I will suck my fingers and pull the skin off of a, a nice crunchy thigh in a heartbeat mm-hmm, love mm-hmm. eating fried chicken easy 
oh, I think Sergeant Waters is at the door. <laughs> There's a Sergeant Waters for you, Lynn. <laughs> Just be careful with all that sucking. Yeah, chicken eating doggies. <laughs> Look at him. Right. Look at him, greasy lip doggies. <laughs> it is a weird head thing now. Like, I am also, you know, I'm going to eat chicken in public. Mm-hmm. But if I have to be honest, there is always that moment of, okay, how do I? You know, how do you navigate? Do you take a fork to it? No, I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't take a fork to it. Okay. But there is that, you know, it is, you know, it's in your head. What about watermelon? Here's the thing. Now, I do eat watermelon with a fork. Like, I like the pieces. But here's the thing. That's how I eat it anyway. No, okay. You mean when it when you when you get it in chunks? I get no. I like when we get a watermelon in the summer. If it's up to me, I actually cut the watermelon into pieces. Okay. No. Oh no. That's right. fine. You. What? What? what wait. My, minute, my wait. point is, I don't eat it differently in public than I do privately. Okay, but wait a minute. I'm just but trying, I do eat it. I'm trying to draw the picture. So you've got you bought the watermelon. You cut yourself the watermelon. You cut yourself a, a slice of the watermelon. Right. I actually do the whole watermelon at once. All right, so you you slice you up the slice watermelon, up the watermelon, and then and now Vincent's sitting down with his slice. With the, no, no, because then you're going to taking it off the the rind completely. Okay, so it's like little, it's almost like a fruit salad. Okay, oh, well, oh but it's that's just fine. watermelon. Oh, that's fine. Okay, I just didn't want to make it seem like, you know, no, th- see that, see that, like I'm being fancy because I don't want be eating the, the garden ham in front of the white folks. And that's the picture of what I needed to know. Right, like, right. If, if the slice but, is on your plate... Right, but I don't eat it like that anyway, though. Because you, you know don't got, eat it like right, that. Right, you know I got finger things. You got fingers, right, yes. That's you got all. texture things right. with your fingers. Yes, so, I understand. I understand. So I will eat it in public, but I eat it away in public that isn't some great blow against respectability politics, because I eat it with a fork. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, now that that's covered. But enjoy your meal. Please. Please. Um, Aaron Fry says his grandmother used to eat watermelon with salt. Yeah, that's a thing. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know about it. It doesn't taste bad. I mean, like, it, I just need it sweet. I don't need it's it a salty. contrasted taste. I suppose. Do you go to the watermelon dude here in Philly? You know, I don't. Mm-hmm. I know about him, but right, I, right. I, I, I just don't. I went to him for the first time this past summer. And you enjoyed it. It, it was an amazing Some, watermelon. It, it really is. was. He's got he's got the goods. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got the good. Now that I'm getting my back cleaned up, mm-hmm. and I'm actually going to be having more people over for in the summer. Mm-hmm. Now you can do it. Yeah. Well, we hope. I know, right? <laughs> um, that, that I probably will visit him now. Yeah. And get some watermelon for back there. Yeah. All right, Vince. All right, uh, covered chicken and watermelon. I we did. Now, we're, off, we're off to a good start. We're off to a good start. Let's get <laughs> let's get into some of our listener mail. Okay, missives from the missionaries. Yes, and we have um, an email. Okay, from I want to uh, maybe mis- mispronouncing this name, Daniel Montesinos. Dogni. Okay. What's up, Daniel? And I apologize if I mispronounced your name there, Daniel. Okay. Uh, Who is a member of the Illicit Film Club. Oh, okay. Um, This is in regards to our Get on the Bus episode. Okay. All right. Hi there. I found your podcast today after seeing if there was anybody talking at length about Spike Lee's fascinating Get on the Bus. Okay. 
Sometimes it's a real crapshoot because you'll get your favorite new podcast or the worst listening experience of your life. <laughs> Thank God okay. you two. Woo, didn't know where that was going. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you two have a great rapport and I was rewarded for searching for a podcast. I wanted to reach out because I really appreciate the love that the two of you had for this movie. I saw it last night on Criterion Channel. Mm. Spike's one of my favorite filmmakers of all time and I found watching the movie a roller coaster experience. It's formally all over the shop playing in that ultra wild mid-90s approach to digital filmmaking before filmmakers started really figuring it out. It has a million hot button topics to address. It's juggling political and social and racial and sexual opinions is attempting to document the million man March memories while they're still fresh. And it's offering a new twist on the road movie. Hmm. There's moments I adore in this film and there are moments where Spike's risk don't totally work for me in the slightest, but I appreciated the way you both talked about this film with such warmth and context. It really helped me take in my thoughts about the film. So thank you for that. Losing Ground mm. is one of my favorite films ever. So I can't wait to hear your episode on it. Hope you're keeping well and apologize for an overlong email, Daniel. Ah, uh, No worries. Well, thank you, Daniel. And welcome. Welcome, Daniel. Appreciate you. Appreciate your kind words. Uh, we also got an email from um, longtime listener Ellis Heron. Hey, what's up, Ellis? Hey, fellas, I appreciated your look back at Rosewood. Okay. It was a hard movie to witness at the theater, but my parents thought it was important that I see it. I'm not sure if you eventually revealed how Don Cheeto's character got out of the house, but when those men lifted his mm -hmm. mom's casket and noticed how heavy it was, my parents called it that he had hid himself in there i thought that just esterola had fresh watermelon on her belt yeah, but yeah. i was wrong no but it, it, it's it's a detail it like is a that detail. yeah that makes me think that's what actually happened yeah it, it makes you think that he actually got that out, he actually as escaped. opposed to the the what is right right noted as the true story is right. that he passed away i got you all right ellis continues yeah. Also, 1997 mm -hmm. was a good year for movies and actors. To name a few, John Voight was in Rosewood and then was in Anaconda, which also <laughs> had Danny Trio at the beginning of the movie. Then Danny Trio was in Con Air, which also had Ving Rhames from Rosewood. And of course, Nicolas Cage came out with Face Off around a month after he came out with Con Air. As a side note, Elise Neal was in Money Talks a few months after she was in Rosewood. I ended up seeing all these movies in the theater. Like I said, it was a good year. I was about to say that's that's a good that's a good year. Not a bad year. Because those are all fun movies. Not a bad year. Uh, they got up. snakes out there that big. He <laughs> loved the good work and re and the reviews coming sincerely. Ellis, P.S. I'm obviously looking forward to the big review of Twa next week. <laughs> I'll have my popcorn ready. Yes, and we it's not too early to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that next week on a special night, Monday, March 21st, the men of Michelle will be welcoming Daryl Charles and Tim Marie of the T DTF Fun Hour, the funnest sex show in the world, for our review of Twa. <laughs> yeah. In the year 2000. Yes, yes, yes. Eagerly anticipated. Eagerly. 
So you make sure you uh, mark your calendars now. We will be streaming on Monday yes. next week. Monday. All right. Um, and thank you, Ellis, for yes, that email. Thank you, Ellis. Good to hear from you. Um, and Vincent, you know, we always tell people that the, if they really want to help us, the mm-hmm. best way that they can help us is they can give us a five stars and a review on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Now, I don't, don't know if you're aware of it and most of the listeners are aware of it. When we look to see whatever our review, you know, whether or not we've gotten a new review or a new rating or whatever, we only have access to see that on uh, in the U.S. So mm-hmm. we only be able to look at our U.S. listeners. However. However, I lucked upon a quirk that will allow me, at least on Apple Podcasts, Uh -uh. to see our reviews and ratings in other countries. Now, apparently, now we have gotten some ratings in other countries. Yes. And to be fair, in the countries that I looked at, which were were Australia, Mm -hmm. England, England, and uh, Canada. Canada, oh Canada, we are resting solidly mm-hmm. on five stars. Nice as far as our, our ratings. Thank go. you, our international friends and missionaries. Most definitely, but they apparently all of those listeners, and we love each and every one of you. Apparently, enjoy giving us ratings, but not necessarily a written review. Okay, so we don't have a written review there. Except one. Oh. From Canada. Oh, Canada. From Dion Robertson. Hey, Dion. Who writes, and this is one of my favorite type of reviews because it's a praise, but it also takes us to task just a wee bit. Okay. It's the salt on the on the watermelon. It's the it, contrast. It starts off, Dion starts off with wowie. Okay. This podcast is life. Okay. Adore the subject matter, execution, the length, and comments on popular culture. Imperfections, that it is two guys. No one is perfect. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that is true. They do have a female guest host. Mm-hmm. Mayori Holmes was awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All in caps. Yeah, Mayori is the truth. Queen and Slim. Um. On the Queen and Slim review, how she noticed the female officer shot first, and that makes an interesting comment of itself. Mm-hmm. And right. all the hosts mention interesting facts. Thanks for sharing, guys, and keep on viewing. Well, thank you, Dion. Thank you, Dion. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. So that was a nice, and 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 it for people who do give us a rating internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to go in and actually like do this trick to go see them. Mm-hmm. But if you email your review to us, we will be more than happy to share that review here on the show. That's right. And Dion, we're going to have a, a woman's voice next week. We um, will so have a, a woman's voice. So you can email your review and to all you international listeners to mm-hmm. michaumission at gmail.com. M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Yes. And thank you. Or if you have some type of fancy apparatus at your house, which we all do, (laughs) why don't you international (laughs) listeners or even you domestic listeners leave us a voicemail? Leave us, leave us, leave us a voicemail. 
Call 215-867-9666 and tell Vincent and Len what's on your mind. What's on your mind? Operators are standing Operators by. Operators are standing by indeed. <laughs> okay. All right. That was fun. Vincent. Um, yes, sir. I don't know. Do you have you been following this story about the arrest of Ryan Coogler? I have. It's ridiculous. It is really. It's ridiculous. Really ridiculous. I don't yeah. know if people know about this. Um, it's a story. It, it's all over the news. I, I actually heard it listening for the, listening to um, Jamel Hill is unbothered podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, her most recent episode where she does a great interview with Anjanae Ellis. Mm. It's a fantastic interview. I invite everybody to check it out. But um, Jamel talks about Ryan Coogler, the noted Black Panther and Creed director. Yeah. Fruitville Station. Fruitville Station. Uh, he speaks out uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, he speaks out uh, after being mistakenly successful suspected of attempted robbery mm-hmm. this is from earlier this year apparently he uh was in atlanta attempting to make a withdrawal from his account with bank of america mm. that's right call him out that's right it's soon to be known as he did not direct judas and the black Messiah. he didn't no that's uh shaka king that's right my my bad i'm sorry i'm sorry um we'll continue he was attempting to make a withdrawal from his account. The teller received an alert on his account, according to the police report obtained by CNN, because the amount was more than $10,000. I okay. think he was actually trying to withdraw $12,000. So the teller notified her superior that she thought Kugler was trying to rob the bank and a 911 was called. Kugler had written a note on the back of his withdrawal slip mm-hmm. stating that he wanted the money to be counted <clears throat> discreetly yeah. given the amount. Right. According to the report, when the police arrived, two of Kugler's colleagues who were waiting for him in a parked vehicle outside the bank were detained and placed in the back of a police car. Kugler was placed in handcuffs while police investigate, investigated the call. He was released shortly after they verified his identity. He, I know. He went to the bank. I know. Handed in a withdrawal slip. I know. And his ID. I know. And I, I believe he also handed in like his, his credit card as yeah, well look, to kind of like show like, you know, I'm also on a, 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 a customer. Look, it, yeah. yeah, he did everything. He was, I love the fact that they say he was released shortly as if they had to do some type of investigation. Right. That he was him. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He was who he says he is on his ID. Right. Right. <laughs> you right. know, I mean, that's uh, look, man. That is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, and unfortunately, like he can't go to the bank like that. No. Okay. Like he should be able to. He should be able but to. But look, he should be able to go to the bank. Here's the thing. Here, here's, here's my question to you. Was there any part of this story that surprised you? Honestly? Yes. The part about him, because I understand he was withdrawing the money for... It doesn't matter what he was withdrawing the money okay. for. To give it to orphans or go to the strip club. Like, it don't matter. Okay. The fact that he was going to the bank to withdraw $12,000 cash... Yes. I found surprising. Okay. You know? Um, that, I mean, 
that just seems it seems it and it mostly seems surprising because it seemed like the type of thing that you have someone do right. when you get to a right. certain level in right. your exactly in your uh in your life. You exactly. Know? That's that that's that surprised me, but and but you know the short of that, no. Look, man, <laughs> nothing else surprised. If I take sixty dollars out of the ATM, I just put it in my wallet real fast, right, and then count it later. <laughs> so, like, I understand being discreet. No, I do too. I I completely understand right, being right. discreet. I and and with that large amount of money, I understand being discreet. And right. I and I appreciate that he didn't want to like say it. He just wrote it out like and just right. discreetly, you know, write this. Even though a certain amount, I mean, I would think they know. Like protocol Look, is. It, it doesn't surprise me because I didn't understand why she skipped, like, talking to her manager. Yeah, you know, like he didn't come in there waving guns. Yeah, he came in there. Well. To withdraw his own money. Withdraw his money. It's not like the money wasn't in the account. I know. That's the other thing. It's not like the money wasn't in the account. I'm sorry. So there's only eleven thousand eight hundred dollars <laughs> in this account. Is there another account you like me to choose? Right. <laughs> you have thirty dollars in this account, and you just handed me a Bally's card. <laughs> a Bally's card. I'm sorry. That's my shop right card. I'm. I'm, I'm <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse I have me. so many cards. I'm sorry. Yeah. My piggly wiggly card. Yeah. Look, it's a terrible story. It's not that like I was telling you before we start. There's not one thing about this that surprised me. I'm glad that things resolved as well as they did. Well, here's the other thing, because you didn't listen to the nine one one. I did call. not. I did listen to the nine one one call, and and someone, Nina, thank you, actually co-signed what I thought because. Uh, Listen to the nine one call. the The teller was a black woman. Yes, which she found surprising, and she did talk to the to the manager. I guess the teller is just trying to cover her tracks there. Absolutely. So you don't fault the teller. I do fault the teller if everything was in order. Mm-hmm. Would you have done the same thing if this was a white man? That's that's the question to, for the time. Right now, if she would, then you know maybe you need to be retrained. Like if everything is in order, like he didn't say, yeah. But you know, Ryan Cooler comes in. He got his stuff all twisty twisted up, and he's reads as a fairly young man. True. So I always suspect that goes into it as well. True. Um. Someone is saying that Ryan Coogler had a speech impediment, and that's why he wrote it down. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't look. It, it, from what I understand, it, it was writing it to be discreet, discreet. Which, considering the amount of money, that certainly makes sense. If I go to Wawa and take sixty dollars out, and that machine goes, which tells you that it shot out three twenty dollar bills. Mm-hmm. I put in my wallet real quick, if and that, then leave. Okay, here's the other. Here's my other argument and and no he did nothing wrong he right. absolutely did nothing wrong even though we're surprised that he was right right he don't got like a a person all right i'm i'm also surprised considering the amount mm-hmm. that when he walks up to the teller and shows that amount that that's not an amount that's handled at a desk right 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 you know a, a away from the teller away from the teller you know, I mean, real fancy right now. That's not fancy. Apparently, I haven't gotten out enough money that they take me to the <laughs> desk. Like I'm listening to you talking right now. Apparently, it's the amount of money they'll, they'll take you to a desk. 
I mean, twelve thousand dollars cash, right, Vince. Right, right. I mean, look. I mean, that's usually money that's being put in a briefcase. Yeah, dog. I mean, ooh, a briefcase. Well, I mean, you're not you putting the, it in an you envelope. Need a briefcase. Right, with, with your little with, with your withdrawal little slip that would did you fold over? And yeah, the, 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 you, you'll get the little envelope <laughs> that folds over. Fold over. No, right, right, right. I, no. I just go to Wawa because they don't charge for the ATM. <laughs> well, he couldn't go to the ATM. If I get sixty dollars yeah, out that I machine, know, I know. I just put in my wallet real quick and leave. No, I don't get scared at Wawa, and I'm not taking out any more than I don't know which one you Wawa. What's when's the last time you took money out of the ATM? Uh, a couple of days ago. Oh, I don't even use ATM that much anymore. You don't even use ATMs no more. I don't. I, I carry like about ten bucks. You're cash. above ATMs. No, <laughs> I just don't carry a lot of cash. You don't carry a lot of cash. You got a guy. You just point at things. You ever see that tape of Michael Jackson shopping? And he yes. Was, and he's like, I want that and that and that and that. And it was like Michael Jackson doesn't even know. He doesn't even know. Like he doesn't even understand the concept. No. Of cost. He did not. He did not. He just sort of points at things. He just points at just, just, just points. And 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 he said, like, I'll take two of those. And this that's like you, like you don't have cash. You just uh, <laughs> that's how you roll in. It's not. That's why you love Star Trek so much. It's a, a post scarcity society. So Lynn's like, I can relate to this. That's how you roll in. That's not how I roll in. Anyway. If I get sixty dollars out the machine, yes, yes. 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 I just put in my wallet and leave. Yes, all right, all right, okay, thank you. Well, I'm glad everything went well. Tell him I with Mr. Kugler. All right, and next time send your assistant and call ahead. Yeah, or or your and, manager and have, and have them take him to the desk. Yeah, and hand you a briefcase. Well, next well next time it's going to be his bank because they need to just I know right? just give yeah. him a branch. Yeah. You know, come on, man. That's you know this is gonna be in a movie. I know. You know this is gonna be in a movie. Bank of America station. All right. You ready, Vince? I am ready. Is it, it is time? time. It, it is, is time. time. It's time for six degrees Woo! of Durville Martin. All right. All right. Vincent, the game show that is has entertained us throughout <laughs> this road to 300. I cannot wait till we change the actor. Um, All right. Woo, all right. Six degrees of Durville Martin. I'm not sure if I did this person before. All right. Well, well I'll, don't worry. I'll tell you because I like to keep it fair. You quickly tell me. Yes. Mm-hmm. So in six movies or less, six Vincent, movies or less, get from the thespian Durville Martin to Joan Crawford. Joan Crawford. Yes. The subject of Mommy Dearest. We did do Joan Crawford, did we? We did because we uh, got her. Did we not? Did we not do the actress that played Faye Dunaway? We didn't do Faye Dunaway. You want to do Faye Dunaway? We did. So how did you? We we did Joan because Joan Crawford was in the movie with um her girl, her rival Betty Davis. Betty Davis. And then we got to Betty Davis through um, either Baby Jane. Like, you actually did it. Well, Baby Jane is the movie she's in with Joan Crawford. Right. So we got to Betty Davis, I want to say, through. Like, I actually don't remember how we got to her. Okay, but we did do Joan Crawford. Right, right, right. And and, right. and, and, and to be fair, you did. That was like one of the early ones. Okay. And you did all the heavy lifting. All right. All right. Then, then Now, we've not done Faye Dunaway. Then let's change it. 
to Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway, however. Faye Dunaway. So Faye Dunaway is in Mommy Dearest. She is. Yeah, but do you know anyone else in Mommy Dearest? I'm I'm actually sitting here trying to think who all is in Mommy Dearest. I mean, I, I can't think of who else is in there. Um, and then Faye Dunaway was also oh, nobody that would help you, right? Right. <laughs> and then Faye Dunaway was also in. I'm trying to think of my big Faye Dunaway movies. Well, there's two big ones. I mean, there's a few, but there's two big ones, and with two huge leading men. Give me one. I'll give you the. Uh, I'll give you the probably the one that most people are not thinking of. Mm-hmm. The Thomas Crown Affair. Was she in the original? Mm-hmm. You know who who's the star of that? Who she co-stars with? Isn't that um? Is that Cary Grant? No, no. I thought Cary Grant was in that. No, 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 no. No, this is like Cary Grant was retired. I was like, retire. Well, if it's if it's Faye Dunaway, it's the seventies. Mm-hmm. I don't know who would have played that character. Steve McQueen. See, I thought Steve McQueen would have been too old. No, no. no. Okay, so Steve McQueen. And that's not her big movie. I mean, it's big, but that's not the big one. I didn't even know Steve McQueen was in the Thomas Crown Affair. I thought that was somebody British. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the big one then? I didn't even get yeah, right. You, you've just blown my mind with Tom. <laughs> you know who I thought was in the Tom, the, the Thomas, Crown, Thomas Affair. Crown Affair? I thought Michael um Michael Caine. Michael Caine was in the Thomas nah, Crown nah, Affair. He's in Get Get Carter. At, yeah. At that time. But um, no. Uh her big movie is Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, with Warren Beatty. Mm-hmm. Well, you you in the seventies right now. Now Warren Beatty in that movie, there are two names that could probably help you. One really big one, I'm pretty sure. One that I know would help you. I just thought about right, it. Right, right. I don't realize I haven't seen Bonnie and Clyde in forever. It's streaming on TZM this this month. Thirty one days of Oscar. Yeah, unfortunately. All right, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you. Well, let me let me go ahead and get it. Like you've already given me enough. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to use the cheap seats to get to Warren Beatty and go through Dick Tracy. Okay. So, you know. Oh, okay. Well, this will be good. This will be good. Um, Dervil Martin is in... Derville Martin is in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Sidney Poitier. Mm-hmm. Sidney Poitier is in Paris Blues, which you try to act like I didn't know, <laughs> with Diane um, Carroll. Diane Carroll. Diane Carroll is in Split. Ah! You like that, right? I like you like that? that. I pulled out, 
because you said get Carter, right? You like that, right? I like that. Diane Carroll is in split with Jim Brown. That's right. Jim Brown is in Any Given Sunday with Al Pacino, who is in Dick Tracy with Warren Beatty. There you go. Who is in Bonnie and Clyde with with Faye Dunaway. Well done. So there you go. So so Dick Tracy's a real cheap use. Fair enough. But split gives me points split gives you points split gives me what was who who's who else is in on bonnie and clyde who you also could have used for split and i didn't even know you were going there gene hackman oh yeah oh yeah gene hackman yeah yeah because in my mind gene hackman gets you to uh, in my mind i went to morgan freeman right because they're in unforgiven unforgiven together yeah yeah but yeah but you pull out split but he's also in split split is nice yeah now i want to watch split again wasn't that a really split smart split was yeah good movie i was just talking about split with somebody a few weeks ago because nobody knows it nobody talks about split nobody talks about split uh because they're about to make a um i think they're about to make a carter television series Oh yeah, I think I did see. Yeah, see and then I was talking that. to somebody about. It. I was like, "Yeah, what you need to do is watch Split, right? Where Jim Brown plays them, <laughs> right? 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 Admittedly, an Americanized, right? Like, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who else was would have been in there besides Gene Hackman? You said there were two people. Oh, I don't know if he would have got you there, but Gene Wilder shows up in Bonnie. Oh, of course, Gene Wilder, because you I can get to oh, Gene, you get the Richard Pryor, Richard Pryor, or could I get to Gene Wilder? through blazing saddles see i don't know um i mean there's a lot of good names in there but you've got to know their movies like harvey corman doesn't do a lot of movies you've got to know slim pickens movies which right i don't know if you know um oh what's her name my girl oh um my girl oh m Madeline Kahn. Madeline Kahn. Yeah, but she, even even she. Madeline Kahn. Yeah. Her her, her filmography is kind of small. Yeah. Slim Pickens does get you to, um, Doctor Strangelove. He's in Doctor Strangelove. Right. Right. With James L. Jones. Yes. Yes. All right. Yeah. All right. So Faye Dunaway. Okay. Faye Dunaway is a good one. All right, all right. Get by with a little help from my friends. Yes. Do you want to chance one more person? Absolutely. All right. This one. You can get, I could get there quick and I did it on my own, but I don't know if you can go there. All right. I dug in the crates. All right. Because Faye Dunaway is not in the crates. Well, no. You must really be in the crates. I didn't think she was that far in the crates. Uh, I mean, all right. I don't, she may not even know the damn. All right. right. Uh, Get from Dervell Martin. Dervell Martin, six moves or less, too. William Powell. William Powell is actually in something. He's in quite a few movies. No, 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 but he's in something that you saw. <laughs> William Powell is like the straight man in something. So you can see the character, the actor. Here's the thing. I can't see him. I can see everyone around him. Okay. All right. I don't know what movie you're talking about, but I can tell you the movies... The the movies that he's most famous for. What's he most famous? He's for? most famous for the uh, playing uh, Nick Charles in the Thin Man movies. Okay, yeah, I can't get to Thin Man. Okay, but uh, but I, I don't know what movie you're talking okay. about. He was a. He, I mean, he's played a straight man. Good movies. Yeah, they're fun movies. Yeah. 
um, of their time. But um, he's a plays a straight man in a movie. I think maybe you saw. It's a movie movie that I would use to get to Derville Martin. What's that? Um, Mr. Roberts. <laughs> no, it would not be Mr. Roberts. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I don't think I. Okay, well let me let me tell you who stars in Mr. Roberts who? and see where you can go. Um, William Powell is very much the straight guy. In yeah, that. is he Mr. Roberts? No, he's not even Mr. Roberts. <laughs> Who's Mr. Roberts? Sebastian Carrington no. as Mr. Rock. No, no. Um, uh, I believe if I got it right, uh, Henry Fonda is Mr. Roberts. Oh well, there you go. Then. Yeah, so and that was who I was going to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Harry Fonda gets you to Captain, Captain Hepburn, Hepburn, which gives you back to um, guess who's coming, guess to, who's dinner. coming to dinner? Yeah. Darvall Martin. Um, William Powell is in something else. Do you? All right, can you? What? What is? Can you pull? Who when else did he die? Uh, he died probably in the sixties. Uh, oh no, he died in nineteen eighty four. Give me his his last five movies. His last five films. Yeah. Okay. Because he because he's in something that I really like, uh, but he's not the star. Yeah, because I don't I don't know because his last Mr. Roberts was his his last film, and that was nineteen fifty five. What's before that? How to Marry a Millionaire. Mm-mm. Before that, the girl who had. Everything before that, the treasure of Lost Canyon. Before that, it's a big country. I can't think of any of these movies that I'm looking at right now. How do you pull him? Because I knew about Mr. Roberts. Because Mr. Roberts. <laughs> I can't. I can't think of any of these movies that one you've seen. Was he on TV or something? I swear there was something that William Powell's in. I don't think he did a lot of TV. Let me see. I'm thinking about somebody else. I think you're thinking about somebody else, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah, he didn't really do a whole lot of TV. Um, I mean, he was in My Man Godfrey, but that's 1936. Yeah, it's probably not that. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 didn't do, he didn't do TV. You know what? I might be thinking about the Thin Man movies. Yeah, I I mean because I, I did enjoy the Thin Man. I and he guess made a, you could say I mean, he's he kinda, made, I mean that's his deal. Yeah, I mean they did like thirteen of them. Yeah, that's that was his deal. Maybe that that's probably what I'm thinking about. Versus Mer, with uh, Myrna Loy. Yeah, because I really liked the Thin Man movie. Nick and Nora Charles and their dog Asta. Yes, you're boy. <laughs> <laughs> you are on brand tonight. <laughs> No, you did not just talk about <laughs> Nick and Nora's dog. Well, quite as kept because it may be about a month ago, maybe a little longer. They had a marathon of the the Thin Man, and you watch and you watched them. I watched a lot of them. You watch? Them. <laughs> I didn't watch them all, but I watched a lot of them. And um, <laughs> like for the fifth time. And <laughs> now, here, here you go. You talking about being on brand? You know how I got to the Thin Man movies? How? You know how I got to the Thin Man. Okay, I'll give you a hint. I got to them backwards. Mm-hmm. I got to them through the 80s. What happened in the 80s? Moonlighting? No. Earlier. And when they got together, it was murder. Heart to heart. Heart to heart got me to. I used to love heart to heart. 
And that got me to the thin man. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, and when they got together, it was murder. That's right. Anyway, um, watching the thin man. Yes. And they're of their time because they're in the 30s. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, so it's absolutely. like right that that sweet spot in between the right, war. Like he always had on a dressing gown. Well, because they were rich. Yeah. Because she was rich. Right, right. And right. he was a retired detective. I was about to say, or was he a detective or a writer? No, he was de- he was retired actually a detective. detective. Okay. Yeah. Um, I knew she had the money. Though. And then he was he they were they were like they they were damn near alcoholics because they they drank throughout the entire <laughs> I mean, movie you know of the time and and every movie started with them jet setting to this vacation yeah. this vacation oh, yeah. seeing our, our our friends in the alps or yes. whatever but watching that movie i would love for there to be a remake of the thin man with a black couple an affluent black couple yeah i yeah. would love i would absolutely love yeah it. i mean i would love it with the black i just think it's a great it's it's a great formula. It is. It's a great formula. It's a winning formula. Yeah. Because yeah. <sighs> it got to the point very quickly where you realize you don't even care about the murder. No. You just like to see you these forgot. Two, you like to see these two bounce off each other. You forgot all about yeah. Nikki. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what was her dog's name? Asta. You, you... <laughs> and, and Asta got some in, in one of the movies. And one of the movies is Asta, and then it was Mrs. Asta. Talking about Nick and Nora's dog. <laughs> then he had puppies at the end of the Boy, movie. Yo, never know. Where yo, and then in the sequel, Asta had to run off a dog who was trying to sniff up on Miss oh, Miss Asta. Goodness gracious! <laughs> you are way deeper than I, I am. I can't believe I was. <laughs> you, 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 real deep into the Thin Man mythos. It's all coming back to me. Now. <laughs> I can't watch Picard. I gotta watch this. You gotta, you gotta watch I gotta watch the Thin Man, the Thin Man series. <laughs> thirteen films. That's a good day. I didn't know it was thirteen films. It's thirteen That's, movies. I man. guess his ass didn't make no more movies. <laughs> so was he making Thin Man? And Myrna Loy. What else was she in? What was her deal? Because she was in something else too. Oh, she right? was in a ton of movies, man. Yeah, she was in a ton of movies. I mean, but this too was. I mean, I know. Movie. I mean, thirteen movies. <laughs> Their team movie. I but her other big movie is I believe she is Miss Miniver. Mrs. Miniver, which is a um a, like a movie around the war. Okay. That's her other big movie. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this has been old timey movies <laughs> with Lynn Webb. Oh, she was in the first cheaper by the dozen. Oh, the original? Yeah. Was she? Mm-hmm. What year was that? 1950. Because she was funny, right? I mean, she was, yeah. She was pretty funny. Yeah. 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 But I don't think she's the star of that. Maybe she's not the star. Okay. Maybe she is. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, because 1950, yeah. Right, that makes sense. All right. Anyway. All right. Um, Aaron Fry says a reboot of The Thin Man does make sense. Maybe with Mr. and Mrs. Will Smith. Uh, I don't know if I want to see Will. Will might be a little aged out of that. I mean, I would maybe a little because Will's like fifty. Here's the thing: if you remember when we did um, our robot, mm-hmm. 
I really like him as the kind of ruffled detective. I mean, I know the thin man is real not ruffled, but but I I, I think Will Smith in, no, I, in like a detective show in a detective vein, yes. But I think in if ideally you're thinking that you're hoping that this becomes a series, yeah, I think he's too old now, too old now because he's fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think so. Black don't crack. Yeah, well. I mean, Samuel Jackson is 187 years old. Okay. Is he doing stuff? Okay, but he ain't going to do the Thin Man. He ain't going to do the Thin Man. All right. You know? I, I could see like Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya, maybe. All right. Or Jonathan Majors. Jonathan Majors. He'd be a good Thin Man. Maybe. All right. You know? All right. All right. Enough of that. Sound William good. Powell was a bit much. What? I got there pretty easily. Well, yes. Through through one movie. Exactly. That you saw. Right. Exactly. That's exactly. Really. That's all I needed. Yeah. They done away was a good one. What does it say that your key yes. is five on the black hand side? Right, right. My key is Mr. Roberts. Right, right. But it's not a key. <laughs> it's just one movie. Well, it's just that one, one movie, movie that gives you enough, yes, enough people. Yes, you know, right. you know in Mr. Roberts, it's Henry Fonda. Yes. Uh, William Powell. Yes. James Cagney. Jack Lemon. Oh, okay. I mean, there's a ton of people in that movie. What are you getting, Jack Lemon? Right, you got through him through Henry Fonny. You could have got to him through Jack Lemon. I could have got there in many ways. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a, that looks like a key to me. Right, 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 right. Okay. <laughs> Who knew this was going to go this long? Let's get it. <laughs> you start talking about the Thin Man Dog. You think this is a rapport that Dion in Canada yeah. enjoys in better shows? She's like, that's why it needs to be a woman. This is- <laughs> Shut both of these. <laughs> Can we get on to the film now? All right. <laughs> All, right. All right. Let's get into our review of Killer of Sheep. All right. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. anymore. You soon will be a goddamn man. Now, you start learning what life is about now, son. Man, stand up. Don't you know it's more to it than just with your fist? The scars on your mug? You talking about an animal or what? Now, do you think you're still in the bush some damn way? You here. You use your brain. Here I stand all alone. Got nobody to call my own. Sometimes I'm happy. Man, I ain't Poe. I, I give away thanks to the Salvation Army. You can't give away nothing to the Salvation Army if you Poe. I just got those sad lovers blue. 
of sheep 1978 american drama edited shot written produced and directed by charles burnett in watts an urban mostly african-american section of los angeles stan has a macabre profession that seeps into his personal life as he struggles to keep his family afloat and content this film the killer of sheep which stars Henry G. Sanders, Casey Moore, and Charles Bracey, among among others, um, is renowned for its depiction of African-American life in a collection of brief vignettes, loosely connected, that feel at times like you're watching a non-narrative films. That's according to critic Dana Stevens. This film is Vincent's selection for tonight's stop on the Michelle mission. Vincent, what say you of Killer of Sheep? Well, it is always a fascinating rhetorical exercise on this show when we talk about one of these highly acclaimed films. Mm-hmm. Because it gets to the point that no matter how good it is, there's always part of you that begins to think, does it live up to the hype? Right. And in the case of Killer of Sheep, this is a film that has achieved this real, really legendary status. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm is a film that that you and I have talked about throughout the tenure of the show. People have asked us about it numerous times. When you read about the history of Killer of Sheep, this is a film that is so well acclaimed that it had gained the status and a lot of people hadn't seen it. Not right. Yeah. Because it was it was it is Charles Burnett's uh senior thesis and then it was shown a couple of places and then it just sort of moved into legend. Right. For so, a p- particular reason that I'm sure you'll touch on. Right. But, 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 you know, I'm going to it like that. And, and I have to say, Killer Sheep is a film that really speaks to the viewer's definition of what they want out of a film, frankly. As you said, it is nonlinear. It it is it is barely a plot. Like 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 sometimes you hear people refer to it as having this documentary type element to it. Mm-hmm. But even that isn't accurate because documentaries have narratives. Yeah. Documentaries have, have through lines. 
And even if we talk about this 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 cast led, as you said, by Henry Sanders as Stan, mm-hmm. a working man. And you say, well, this is a movie about Stan. You go from vignette to vignette, and they aren't necess- aren't really connected that much. Like there are some parts that you can connect to other parts because you, you know there's this ongoing this ongoing detail about a car. Mm-hmm. So you know he's getting an engine, and it's, uh, things happen with the car. But for the most part, you don't have that if that's what you're looking for in a film. Yeah, the acting. This is a this is a cast of unknowns, amateur actors that Charles Burnett got for his master's thesis. Mm-hmm. I like Henry Sanders as Stan. Mm-hmm. Like I think Henry Sanders is very much indicative of the type of character that you see in films that come from this community of filmmakers known as the Black Rebellion. You know, the, from going to the UCLA films we've talked about some of these films before but stan has a lot in common with characters that we've seen in films like daughters of the dust Mm -hmm. in in a film like like even regardless of the fantastic elements uh welcome home brother charles Mm -hmm. you think about um too sweet in the beginning of penitentiary jamal fanaka's most well-known film where these are ordinary men. These are ordinary men. And I don't think it's it's too much to put on the fact that these depictions of ordinary men are in themselves a, a, a political statement because they're in the midst of the 70s and you have all this stuff with black exploitation and you basically these black superheroes and all of these filmmakers said they're way more concerned with the lives of ordinary black people than these Hollywood fantasies, if mm-hmm. you will. And Stan kind of stands there, but Stan, but Stan is played by Henry Sanders. Henry Sanders isn't the greatest actor. Mm-hmm. So if you come in here for the acting, if you come in here for some real story, the film doesn't have that. Right. What the film does have, however, Is Charles Burnett's eye. I think as a director, I think as someone who composes scenes, mm-hmm. there are moments throughout this film that are breathtaking. Yeah. Like it is non-linear, as we said, it's non-linear. It is Stan, Stan works at this um slaughterhouse at this slaughterhouse he's literally a killer of sheep Mm -hmm. he has a wife he has a son he has a daughter they live in this community in los angeles but scene after scene charles burnett composes these visual jewels we'll talk about the children because i think the children are the standout but there are moments like there, there's a moment where Stan and his wife are dancing mm. and they're dancing in front of a window with some natural sunlight. Like we've talked about everything that Charles, every role that Charles Burnett plays in this film, but his, his, his skill as a cinematographer 
is 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 masterful. It's in black and white. So his use of light and shadow mm-hmm. and natural light and dark spaces. It, so there's a scene where Stan and his wife are dancing in front of a window with all of this beautiful sunlight coming through. And it just stands as this bitter earth yeah. by Dinah Washington. Is yeah. Playing. Yeah. Good stuff. There's a scene where Stan and, and a friend of his are going and trying to figure out how to get a, 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 an engine. <laughs> they park on a hill in front of a row house and the angles of the, the, the perpendicular angles of the row house going straight up against the, the, the horizontal lines of the street mm-hmm. or, or the, of, of the um, lawn. But then they're juxtaposed to the angle that the truck is sitting on. And it's, it's, it's amazing. Everyone talks about how he shoots these children because you have these extended scenes where you have children at play. Mm-hmm. Maybe the most famous scene in the film or famous shot in the film, there's there's a moment where some boys are jumping across a rooftop. Yeah. yeah. And the camera shoots them from below. And they're just in flight. Mm-hmm. And it's it's beautiful. And I love that. But as much as I love that, I love the scene. I love the scenes with the little girls. Yeah. And little girls in there playing. And and my there's my favorite scene in the movie. At one point, the little girl. Uh, Angela Burnett, who plays Stan's daughter, is just sitting in this small space. It looks like almost a closet. And and Reasons by Earth, Wind, and Fire is playing on the record player. <laughs> and she is singing her little heart. She doesn't know the words. No. But she gets to the refrain and she is, is singing Reasons and she's singing it to the doll. And Burnett just holds the camera on her, mm-hmm. cuts very quickly to her mother smiling, cuts back to her just singing. And there are these moments where he depicts this beauty in the ordinary mm-hmm. in a way that you just don't see. Right. You right. just don't see. There's, there's, you know, you read about him, and there's a lot of comparison to him to other filmmakers and neorealism and, and this sort of documentary style and and this depiction of the beauty of the ordinary. But frankly, I think a lot of what separates Charles Burnett is that when we talk about this neor, you know, we talk about Japanese filmmakers, we talk about you, you know, French New Wave filmmakers, and 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 I, I do have to say. It seems to me that a lot of the attention that we give to the French films and certainly the Japanese films that capture this this sort of sense of the ordinary mm-hmm. and the beauty in the ordinary, there is a bit of Orientalism in there. Like part of the reason that we are drawn to it is because it's exotic. Whereas these are working class Black people mm-hmm. in the 1970s in Los Angeles. And that is really the power of this film. Now, critics, a lot of people say that that the, the mobility of the children, because, again, there are all these wonderful moments of the children playing 
And and I mentioned the the bit with the car and the car doesn't go anywhere. And a lot of people have read into this as this is symbolic of how poverty Mm. is holding back the people in this community, the the adults, Mm -hmm. and that the children have this freedom. And I I have to say, I'll go, sure, I'll go along with that. But but frankly, even listening to Charles Burnett talk about this film Mm. in his own commentary, I feel like people brought a lot of that to the film. Brought their baggage to it. Right. Or no, I'm not, I'm not even going to call it baggage. baggage like, right. I think it's an interpretation. But I do feel, like I said at the beginning, that those of us that want to talk about film, like, sometimes we feel like we got to fill in the blanks. Mm. So it's like, oh, well, this is 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 a metaphor for this and that. And it may be. Mm-hmm. It may be. But... From my viewing, I don't think it needs that. Mm. Like, I don't think it needs that to, to, to pull in someone we pull in oftentimes. You know, Roger Ebert says, you know, you just have to give yourself to it mm-hmm. and just give yourself to the lyricism, give yourself to the beauty. And it is really a rewarding film that you see a lot of in other places Okay, that, that I enjoyed a great, great, great deal. Well, when I'm watching this movie, I have to remember that as uh, um, as acclaimed as the film is, it is, as you mentioned, his thesis, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a, um, it, it, and in that, it puts me to mind that, you know, it's a film that is also supposed to be, in a way, a bit of a study of something you Mm -hmm. know what i mean so i when thinking about that when watching the film and watching the story of stan and watching stan stan pretty much just sleepwalk through life a little bit like like there is you know many many arguments can be made about this film, but looking at this movie from 21st century lens, there's an argument to be made that we are looking at uh, a man that is, you know, laden with depression, you know, mm-hmm. or some type of some type of like mental, you know, um, thing going on about him. Um, he, uh, he certainly has a sense of, or it seems to have a sense of loss. Um, loss of I want to say loss of purpose mm-hmm. in that I think he is a man that is ab- about doing the right thing because as you said this movie is about Stan it's about his family and Stan is is staunchly a man that tries to do the right thing he has you know just the circumstances of where he lives and, and how he lives um going against him a job that he really does not does not enjoy that gives him absolutely no joy and who's to have joy in slaughtering you know working in a slaughterhouse and we actually see him mm-hmm. at work in a slaughterhouse in this film so who who can have joy receive joy from that um then he has you know he's he's 
known in the neighborhood. He's liked in the neighborhood, but his friends, the people that know him, they're not really going, don't seem to have much purpose either. They're kind of like just spinning their wheels. A couple of guys maybe have some type of crime they didn't, they want Stan to join in on, but Stan is, you know, Stan and more to the point, his wife, Yes. Who is unnamed in this movie. Yeah, oh yeah. Even though we've seen her, the actress before, Casey Moore, she actually shows up in Daughters of the Dust. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, they are staunchly against that. You know, like, you know, you're not going to do that. And and he's staunchly against it too because he has kids. And he's like, I'm not going to risk my life. You're like, y'all go ahead, do you. You know? Um, but he's a man that, like, you know, he, he, does, he can't, he can't, seems incapable of finding any type of joy he goes to work at a job he, do- he doesn't like he comes home then he's got chores he's got to do he's laying laying linoleum yeah. down in his in, in his house he's fixing repairs you know making repairs in his house um his wife who appears to be a, a housewife mm-hmm. um she's doing you know she's doing her thing to, to try and maintain her home but she you can also feel like a sense of loss on her as well a sense of a loss of affection um because she she loves her man but she also wants to love her man right you know she wants her man to love her she's fearful of that maybe her man is maybe losing you know is it me that he maybe is brought this sense of you know on way on stand um so much so that you see her you know, going out of her way to, you know, make her face up and make sure she can look as pretty as possible for when he comes home. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, make sure that he eats and whatever and tries to engage him about his job, just about life. And then you talked about the scene where they are dancing in front of the window, which is a, which is a beautifully shot scene. But it's also as well beautifully shot as it is and as memorable as it is with Dinah Washington's Bitter Earth playing throughout throughout that scene, it's also a bit of a heartbreaking scene because his wife is desperate for some type of reaction mm-hmm. from him. She is she is almost climbing up his chest during the dance, mm-hmm. and Stan is just he is motionless emotionless he doesn't even have his hands like his hands are around her but he's not hugging her he's not holding her they're just there right they're just placeholders um and every and every opportunity that he has to maybe not so much to to break out of his circumstance but just to take a peek at the sunshine you know he bumps up against it. You talk about they're going to go buy this engine and they buy an engine, but then they put it on the back of their truck on this very steep incline. You can see the Laurel and Hardy movie waiting to happen. Yeah. With in that moment, they eventually get a car and the the whole gang of friends and family are going to go take a, we're going to go to a park, just go sit in the park. They can't even make it to the park. Because the car gets a flat and they have to come home because they don't have a spare. Um, it's, it's so every chance he gets to, to take a peek at the sunshine, it just it just 
falls against them. That is as much of a through line as far as a narrative as this movie has. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, it's a bit challenging, but I have to remember, like I said, it's Charles Burnett's thesis. It's his study on these people in Watts mm-hmm. in, in 1978, the life that they live. This is for many people, the African life living African-American mm-hmm. in Watts, Los Angeles. And it is how many times have we, you know, just the silliest, just the most mundane things just, just don't go right, you know, but you still have to wake up the next morning. You still got to find a way to keep, keep it on. Um, and in the midst of this, in the midst of this, and and I struggle to call it poverty. You said they're working class. They're mm-hmm. actually they are working class, but they're lower working class. Oh yeah, because working class can can give you the, the sense like oh you know two families working they trying to make ends meet. Sure. No, this is lower working class. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know. But in the midst of this, what I think it uh, uh, plays out that I actually enjoyed were the children, mm-hmm. the scenes of the children at play and they are at play and when you learn about this film charles burnett basically just filmed kids at play yeah you know didn't even direct them on what to do too much not too much direction on what to say um even though one of the kids is stan's son so he has some direction but not much Mm -hmm. not much he pretty much is left to be a kid and shot as as a child and what I felt was very enjoyable about those those scenes is that I thought they were almost, yes, they provided a glimpse of hope because these mm-hmm. are kids that despite the circumstances, despite their playground being a, basically a dusty, you know, um, lot full of rocks and broken broken bottles and or the backside of, of of a factory you know or or the train tracks is they that's another lovely shot where they're running along mm-hmm. inside the train um you're right he does have a way of with composition but despite that being the backdrop of their play they're still kids yeah they're oh, yeah. The play they're finding the fun the fun and joy in it and I actually there's a scene where they're like throwing like rocks or, you know, like what I used to call when I was a kid. I don't know if you did this back in B-more. Um, dirt bombs. I was about to say clumps of dirt. Yeah. Yeah. Clumps of dirt. We yeah. call them dirt bombs uh-huh. um, at, at each other. And I thought it was cool because the it was two factions of kids like playing like this war game with one another. Mm-hmm. And they had makeshift shields yeah in front of them and i felt like oh my god especially in the black and whiteness of the of this film i'm like this is like the little rascals this yeah is our gang it's happening right right in front of our eyes and, and and because this is what our gang was poor kids finding a way to like put on a show or do whatever right. and that's what these kids were doing they were having fun the way that they could have fun you know um I, I thought it was I thought it was even a touching when one young boy g- gets hit with a rock and he's obviously in pain and the kids at first are like you know oh come on man you know like you know whatever but then they say they see him crying and you hear the kids like hey you all right you good yeah oh yeah you're gonna be all right 
That's kids that play. So they were still very real. And I I appreciated that because that was the signs of hope. I thought, and, and if there was a question of whether or not children were the signs of hope, it's answered at the end of the film because the end of the film, the film ends with the news of a new baby exactly coming. Yeah. So, you know, despite everything that is up against you, the sun will, is, if you're lucky, the sun will rise and hope springs eternal. And there is always another chance. And there is always an, another chance for, for you to catch your glimpse of the sun. Um, and, and Stan and his wife, despite what was going against them, they were very staunch in how they raised their children. Mm-hmm. They raised their children to be respectful, to, to um, be educated, to be smart, because that was the way that they were going to make it out of their circumstances. Um, and I really... At the end of the day, I mean, can you make some argument about the acting? Like you said, yeah. Um, but there's a bravery in him just doing this slice of life. There's a bravery in the ambiguity of some of the the plot lines or tangential as they are and in the ending. Um, and I can see what everybody was hyped up about. Yeah. And, and, and back to the children, just to sort of connect it, I do think it's not made explicit. But what I pull from it is that while Stan is stuck in this place, mm-hmm. and again, I, I do think Charles Burnett is going somewhere, <laughs> pardon the pun, with this whole bit about the adults can't move mm-hmm. and, and, and the car breaks down and everything that happens with the engine. But I think it's a direct link between what the adults do and have sacrificed and this pastoral existence of the kids. Mm -hmm. So that you get the sense these, like you said, these are lower working class people. You never get the sense that any of these children are hungry. Right. You never get the sense that any of these children are in danger. No, exactly. Exactly. These are children that are loved. Mm -hmm. These are children that people are taking care of. This is a community. Mm -hmm. And so much of the joylessness that you see in Stan and and you see in his wife, that you see in the other adults, Mm -hmm. you see it in the kids. Now, if you want to be cynical, you can say that as the kids grow up, they'll lose it. But as you said, there are always more kids right. coming. And 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 the lyrics of the Dinah Washington song, you know, this bitter earth, mm-hmm. what fruit it bears, what good is love that no one shares. Mm-hmm. But it's ironic because the love is shared. Yeah. Yes, Stan and his wife have this lack of intimacy that we're talking about, but the lack of intimacy intimacy that you see between those two, you have these wonderful moments between both of them. With their kids. With their kids. There's yeah. a moment, like I, like I said, that Earth, Wind, and Fire moment, is it, it was just everything to me. Because mm-hmm. it's it, it really is, if you've had kids, 
every now and then, like every now and then you catch them when they're three or four. Yep. Yep. And you get a peek into their world. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that he captured that, but then he also showed her mother's reaction to it. Mm -hmm. There's a moment where Stan turns from the table, from the dining room table, and his daughter just comes and sits on his lap. Mm -hmm. And that's that's it. That's like, that's the shot right there. Well, she sits on his lap. Yeah. But before she sits on his lap, what I like, what happens is that because there's a bit of an exchange from between Stan and his wife. And right. again, right. Stan there's... is not receptive to his wife's, you know, advances, advances yes. as yes. it were. Exactly. Um, he's not dismissive of it. He's just, he's just, he, he's just not. I mean, the brother's probably just tired. He's very tired. Yeah. He's a retired man. Yeah. Um, and his, his, and, and then his, his wife walks out of the room, walks out of the kitchen. And he turns and he looks at his his daughter who's kind of there. And his daughter comes over and she touches his face. Mm-hmm. And then he touches her face. And you can see, you see the moment between them. And it's like, and then, you know, she sits on his lap and they share a moment. And his, and his wife is looking at that. And despite the, you know, a bit of rejection that she feels, she is also looking at that, knowing that, you know, but this is still the man that I'm with. Right. And yeah. I see why I'm yeah. with him. Right. Like, like Stan is a good man. Exactly. Stan is going you, you mentioned there's a, a moment again, the, 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 it's, you can't even call what happens in this film a plot. Right. But there is a moment where two men from the neighborhood come and try to pull Stan in mm-hmm. to some crime. And I will say this about this moment. If if I put this film and group it with the other L.A. Rebellion films that we've watched, mm-hmm. I do think that you have these moments. And when you read about them, they, they say this, that that service commentary on black exploitation and what was happening. And these two guys are very much yeah. slick yeah. 70s dudes mm-hmm. and come. And, and as you said, his wife comes out. And basically says, what are y'all doing? Right. Like, this is not life. This is not what we do. And they real slick and they want to do some, woo, we going to do some. And then they leave the film. Yeah. And you don't hear from them again. Because this is not that film. They, yeah, exactly. Like, if you, like that's another film. Mm-hmm. This is a film about the, the these these ordinary people and the beauty in these ordinary people's lives. The kids, look. Frankly, I could have sat here and just talked about all of the shot. Like you talked about them running alongside the train. I love, I love the open junkyard base, the, the mm. open empty lot, and just mm-hmm. the the freedom that they have. There's a moment where they emerge from it looks like an abandoned house. Yeah, and and there's there's a there's an opening where some of the siding has broken, and they just all pop out. Yeah, it's a little, little strange, but yes. But, <laughs> but it, it cool. you can tell this is this captures that sense of of childhood adventure. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. this is the adventure that they're having. That's right their now. Goonies. It's their Goonies. It's it's you know you just squeeze in a lifetime's full of adventure between mm-hmm. ten a.m. in the streetlight coming on, mm-hmm. and you get all of that in a way that. 
again, even now, I don't think we see ordinary working class black people like this. No. So no. that, yeah, like like you said, you, you do, you understand mm-hmm. the hype. You really do. Yeah. I think, I, I think it's actually uh, interesting that you pointed out, you know, um, the movies, you know, that this is in response to. I Watching this film made me want to look at some of the films that were out in, a, in its orbit mm-hmm. around this time. And in 1978, of course, the, I mean, a big movie for geeks like us is, you know, the first Superman. Sure. It comes out in 1978, but also comes out in 1978, uh, The Wiz. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God it's Friday, which is some people lump in as a black film, sure, but it's not really a black film. That um, is that a Motown film? I'm not sure. I don't think I, something tells me it's not Motown because uh, it's really only Donna Summers and everybody right. else is white. Um, oh no, the Commodores aren't. Thank God it's Friday. Don't get me distracted with Thank God it's Friday. All right, sorry. All right. Um, <laughs> then you also have Young Blood comes out okay which is another look at you know los angeles yeah i didn't know young blood was that late i thought that was earlier but yeah yeah with lawrence hilton Hilton jacob Mm -hmm. and the year before that you had a a piece of the action yes came out but all of those films you know with maybe the exception of young blood but and even young blood in his depiction of you know the the gangs or or whatever in in LA is it's not as sensationalized as most of the earlier black exploitation right but it is still dealing with that certain element you know what i mean yeah that element of black life yeah. you know this is something totally afar yeah oh yeah absolutely you know um and even a piece of the action which comes out a year before by a piece of the act, by the time of a piece of the action, you know, those two guys, Sidney Poitier and Bill Cosby, they're superheroes in their film. Yeah, yes, they are. Um, and the Wiz is a total fantasy. Yes, you know. Yes. So, um, I think, you know, uh, Killer of Sheep had a window where it might have been able to really attract big time attention. It was unable to. I, I noted it earlier. One of the reasons why the film, while it did make some, you know, showings at some festivals at the time, mm-hmm. was not widely released because Charles Burnett was staunch and did not want to replace any of the music yes. that he was using right. for the for the movie. Uh, Dinah Washington, he used. Uh, there was some Earth, Earth Wind, and Fire. Earth, Wind, and Fire. You There's some reasons. classical music mm-hmm. in here as some well. Blues. Yeah. Yeah. And th- and this was music that he could not afford the licensing for. No, he could not. But music that for the most part, I won't say it about everything, but for the most part, it's music that really adds to the the movie. You can't imagine other songs. Certainly not bitter yeah. work, bitter earth. In in the case of Reasons, he actually asked the 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 actress Angela Burnett Mm-hmm. What song do you want to sing? Like he apparently he had some blues songs because because Charles Burnett is a huge blues fan. But you know she's like it's nineteen seventy seven. I'm a little girl. I don't I'm blonde, mellow, jelly. I'm <laughs> like I like reasons. Right, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Right, and then she sang it. Yeah, and I know two of the words. <laughs> well, here's the thing, which I loved. I love that she. No one knows the words of reasons. <laughs> like you kind of see that's why they play it at weddings. Like if people listen to the words to reasons. They wouldn't play it at weddings. 
He's telling you the reasons we're here having sex, but we ain't really going to do nothing. Like, we're not, this isn't going anywhere. It's just Philip Bailey in that pretty ass voice. So you don't really think about it. I thought it was perfect. Like, nah. And she went through it and she went through it and she said, because that's the part everybody knows. It was perfect. She's just playing with a doll. Just playing with the doll. Sitting, I think she was in like the laundry room, sitting in right. like a pile of clothes. What you do, and like, like it was so beautiful. Like I don't want to gender it, but you do get that contrast with the way we used to socialize girls to play, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. opposed to boys. Mm-hmm. And the boys were just out there. Yeah, like they really were. Like I said, pastoral. Like they really were just sort of these natural people mm-hmm. jumping and climbing and this then where the girls it was more you know the girls were in when were in the, the alleyway they were inside you know they they were kind of communal up on each other yeah but even that had power like i love there's a moment where a little boy on a bike oh that's the comes, i was thinking about that moment yeah and and you know you took, rise up on a bunch of girls look, took them girls for bad yeah, he took some girls for that, <laughs> and they took his bike. And Charles Burnett is right there. Yeah, as you know, again with this keen eye, mm-hmm. beautifully shot because it keeps the camera in one spot, and so that you can see all of the action. And uh, it's look, yeah. What what is it? Ten thousand dollars? This is right the for? budget, right, right, right. This is nothing but skill because mm-hmm. he didn't have the budget. No, he did not. Did not. And again, there are so many shots of this film where you it's this it's just this lyricism. And and I have to say for us coming at this backwards, because you and I have talked several times about to sleep with anger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His, his 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 arguably his most famous film. Yeah. Because that was his big studio release. Right. And you see what he does with more um resources exactly more into weapons. Sleep with anger but th- there there's just a purity to this yeah. yeah that that is undeniable yeah would you recommend that people see killer I, I, of sheep? I would i would absolutely recommend that people see killer of sheep i think what is disgraceful is how difficult it is yeah it's not streaming see. anywhere it's not streaming anywhere it is. It shows up every now and I think they're working on a really good edition of it. Like, I don't know if it's Criterion, but I think you and I have talked about, like, it's in the works Yeah, that I there's going to be a, a really big, beautiful, prestigious representation. It, it, I mean, it, 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 yeah. to be fair, the film has, like we said, it's, it's a claim that has been, it was restored uh, by the UCLA uh, preservationist uh, Ross Littman and produced for DVD by Steven Steven Soderbergh and Milestone Films. And in 1990, the film was selected for uh, preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress for being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. But if you want to buy a used DVD, it's going to be over $100 as of a couple of days ago. I know. Ask me how I know. I know. Well, fortunately, I got it when I it was, was not hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, we we've got it covered. But and 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 who knows? I hope they're able to get this like out there streaming. It may be those music music uh, rights that might yeah foil things, but we'll see. Yeah, I would definitely recommend that people see uh, Killer of Sheep. 
I think it's a it's uh it's a film that you should see. It's it's a moment. Yeah. And I think I think people will yeah. hopefully take it in for what it is. There there are you know, there's definitely some some moments and some some um interesting things happen in this film. It actually sparked up a nice interesting conversation between me and my uh my friend when we watched it. Uh she she had some thoughts about yeah. Mr. Stan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> to, to yeah, say the least. Yeah. To say the least. Um all right. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, before we tell you about next week's show, I invite you all um, to like and follow the Me Show Mission on the social media of your choice Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Me Show Mission. We are all right there. Subscribe to the Me Show Mission on YouTube and Twitch at Me Show Mission. And you can go to the Me Show Mission website, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made, and check out all of the cool swag that we have available for your buying pleasure by way of our good friends at Public, including our Six Degrees of Dervell Martin collection, which I'm happy to say that we actually, I saw that we had a few more sales uh, this week. It's a great design. Oh, I, as, the, as the designer, I thank you. And you are, you are welcome. The Michelle Mission is a proud member of The Podglomerate, thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. And if you feel like working, why don't you leave us a voicemail? Give us a call at 267-867-215-215-867-9666 and tell Vincent Len what's on your mind. Or you can email us at michellemission at gmail.com. And you can also feel free to give us a five-star rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts because that's the way you can help us and help people find the show. Next week, it's a special night, Vincent. <laughs> Next week. Monday. Monday. Monday, Monday March, Monday. March 21st at 7 p.m., our regular time, but a special night. The men of Michelle welcome Daryl Charles and Tim Marie of the DTF Fun Hour, which I'm telling you, it is the funnest sex podcast in the world, available wherever good podcasts be. They will be here live in the Bat Base as we will sit down to review from the year 2000 <laughs> Miss Makiba's favorite movie <laughs> Twa <laughs> from Killer of Sheep to Twa to Twa that's right the hits just keep on coming oh. ladies and gentlemen here on the road to 300 hey Lynn which black movies are we watching all of them. All of them. <laughs> Which movie was has made is maybe the most requested movie <laughs> for us to review, Vincent. I, was about to say, I think it says a lot <laughs> about the missionaries. I think Killer of Sheep and Twa really work kind of like really kind of neck and neck as far as the most requested. How'd it go from Killer of Sheep for Twa? Y'all asked for it. <laughs> got to get the people get the people, people what, what they, they want, want. <laughs> all right uh, <laughs> all right ladies and gentlemen uh until next week he's vincent i'm len and in parting we say we'll see you when it's time